Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson, and this is episode number 130. Well, just ahead, a biofuels business crashes and burns and finds a COVID cure in the ashes. The story of Codexus. Plus, Bill.com sees spectacular growth with its most recent acquisition. And the future of transport is in data. We'll look at how a fascinating leader in that world, Weijo, runs its business with CEO Richard Barlow. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With ERA, customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A.com. And you can listen to the Drill Down podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Maybe it's the one you're using now. Maybe there's another one out there for you. It could be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, you name it. But hit that subscriber button when you do so to make sure you catch every show. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com, to learn more. And speaking of talent, Isaac Webster, executive producer, joins me, Corey Johnson, for the drill down today, where we do explain the stories of businesses behind stocks on the move. Uh, Isaac, you good? I'm great. How are you, Corey? Just terrific. Just terrific. I'm liking this weekly schedule. We'll see how, you know, sure. see how this goes. Um, and Corey, what stocks you're drilling down on today? Well, let's start with Codexus. Codexus. I'm very excited to talk about Codexus. It Are trades you? under Yeah, I am. C, CDXS, Codexus, CDXS is how it trades. Shares have gained 176% over the past 12 months. Yeah, Codexus is a really interesting story. It is, a, it is yeah. really a story of a rise from the ashes. It's about a $2.5 billion market cap. This was a lousy biofuels company that had a lousy biofuels business. They thought they had this, this, these enzymes and this way to make enzymes that would create biofuels that just never took off. But they refashioned themselves and figured out, well, what else are you going to do with these enzymes? How about biotech? So these guys have created essentially a, a process, they almost refer to it as a machine, that helps them create enzymes, which of course are the large molecules that enable a lot of biotechnology. Bio, um, technology um, uh, uh, treatments to work, not least of which Pfizer's clinical stage COVID antiviral th- therapeutic that is is rushing through early stage clinical trials. Pfizer's relying on these Codexis enzymes to make their COVID cure work. So uh, they uh, sold a bunch of these enzymes to Pfizer, and that, as well as some other big name clients, uh, uh, led to a really strong quarter. Most recently. Quarterly revenue at $37 million, product revenues up 242% year over year. 
So it looks like things are really working for Codexis. Uh, the company raising its guidance in, uh, with their most recently quarterly announcement, um, saying the product revenues would be about $65 million, uh, $64.5 million. At least that's the midpoint of, of their guidance. Um, and what was interesting here is, 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 you know, can you multiply out? Okay, they're selling to Pfizer while Pfizer is still in trials. If the Pfizer drug is approved, will their sales jack up to some massive scale uh, because Pfizer's sales of this drug might do so? Well, the answer is more nuanced than that. And Codexa CEO John Nichols admitted as much in a recent conference call saying, you know, the order that they got looks like it's for both the initial tests and maybe an early release of the drug. So Pfizer's just in case these trials work and they get emergency authorization, they might rush the drug out and they want to make sure they've already got the enzymes uh, purchased to do so. But uh, $29 million worth of enzymes this year is just the start. The $29 million worth of enzymes that we are supplying this year to Pfizer is um, beyond there. It, it is being used not only for limited um, production of clinical trial quantities, the large majority of it is being used to do what is often referred to as registration trial batches to, to prove the robustness of Pfizer's process. And also we expect that um, a, a, at least a healthy portion of the enzymes are being used to manufacture the antiviral for stock. Um, in anticipation of a launch uh, or in anticipation of them being able to get the emergency use authorization. So so I'd say uh, a, a small um, minority is used for clinical trials and the rest is to manufacture product in anticipation of the launch. Um, second, um, uh, for next year, um, again, we're, we, don't, we don't know whether, uh, you know, we don't have any data about the, you know, how their clinical trials are progressing. Um, however, we have, um, you know, indications from them uh, where they're looking to scenario plan uh, for supply from Codexis for 2022 uh, in the event that they are able to uh, get an emergency use authorization. And, and those discussions lead us uh, to have confidence that if they are able to get their antiviral pill on the market, that we should be uh, supplying uh, enzyme next year at similar or potentially somewhat higher um, uh, uh, revenues that we've been executing in 2021. So there you have it. Uh, just, you know, interesting developments for these guys. It didn't sound like there were huge orders coming out of Pike anytime soon, even, even if there's an approval. And that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, for the market knuckleheads who think any press release is good news for this company, it might not mean any big orders anytime soon, even if this drug is approved. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look back at Bill.com, a company we've looked at in the past. Bill.com trades under B-I-L-L. Bill, shares have gained over 200% in a year. Yeah, fantastic move in this for this company, this billing software automation company that is just, you know, that automates back office functions like filling out invoices and accounts payable documents and so on. It just makes that all easier on the cloud. And uh, uh, it's becoming a standard. It's, it's being used by so many more companies over time. And they're also doing acquisitions to grow the business. I think the last time we looked at this company, they just acquired Divi, which is a, was a pay payment platform, kind of a credit card platform, um, that had about 7,500 customers when they acquired the company on June 1st. 
Well, they've already doubled the number of Divi customers to 13,500. That's not quite double, but nearly. Um, it's it's really just stunning how quickly they've done this. Now, we use Bill.com. And so I've seen the Divi approaches where they're basically offering uh, uh, huge sign-up bonuses if you, if you add Divi services onto your Bill.com account. Um, so they are definitely buying those customers, at least that's what it looks like from the things that come through my inbox. Nonetheless, this approach of trying to give small and medium-sized businesses, SMBs, everything they need on the finance side um, seems to be working. They really do seem to be able to cart these things all together um, with these multiple offerings once they get the customers in the door. Now, how long they can keep this up, particularly if they're paying, call it $500 for every new Divi subscriber, uh, is an entirely different question. But uh, they're focused on SMBs. They're focused on small and medium-sized businesses um, who are embracing... Yes, time for the drinking game. The digital transformation. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Glug, glug, glug. That was more than a shot. That was a lot of drinking there, Isaac. <laughs> I've been waiting. Here's, here is Bill CEO, Renee Lazert. <laughs> you know, SMBs are embracing digital transformation and frictionless payments. And I think that's some of what we're seeing. You know, we're uniquely positioned across all the assets that we've built and acquired to really solve the problem for SMBs. And so... The, what you're seeing to date is us actually uh, all executing on our, our organic growth strategies. We have started to introduce, you know, cross-selling opportunities to the customers of Bill.com. Uh, but those, you know, it's kind of early days on that. So all of the success is that, you know, SMBs want digital transformation. They want frictionless payments. They want it to be easy. Uh, this moment in time, I think the company has been built for this. And we're excited about being able to serve and support SMBs and their passions and as they move forward in the, in the business. So, again, super impressive growth. I mean, buzzword central with that CEO. But, um, I, you know, to, to take the customer base they've got with Bill.com, to slap on another service like Divi, and to get those customers looped in there, um, they're paying for them to be sure. But uh, it, it, at least they're getting the result that they're after. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at Confluent. Have you heard of this business before? Recent IPO? Mm, I haven't. Confluent. It trades under CFLT and shares have been steadily rising since they went public earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a $24 billion business. This is no joke here. Silicon mm -hmm. Valley company um, that uh, is, is super interesting. It's some former LinkedIn guys who have figured out a new way. And, and how many companies do we talk to that talk about the need to use data, how they're going to have a data infrastructure, how they're going to have this data in the consumers, the business analytics that sit on top of the data. And these guys have just kind of looked at data and said, you know, waiting till you get it in-house and imagine that there's a moment when your data pile is complete and, there's a, and then you'll do the analysis on that pile of data just isn't right, the right way to do it. Their notion is that data is always in motion and they're always getting new data in your con the, the, the paradigm of capturing it, storing it, then then querying it and analyzing it just doesn't work. That you need kind of real-time data collection and analysis. Um, and that while there's some open source platform called Apache, Apache Kafka, I said, um, Apache Kafka is, is the open source standard and 70% of all Fortune 500 businesses are using that with data. These guys are trying to do this at a, at a different scale um, with different tools and much more power. And it's working. They reported quarterly revenues in their first quarter as a public company of $103 million, up 66% year over year. 
their what they call performance obligations. That is customers that they have signed, maybe customers that they've paid them. That that's up seventy five percent. That's growing even faster. Um, and when you think about our, you know, what, what's the biggest store business store of the year? Probably it's supply chain issues, right? And the supply chain issues are really about the ability to manage or cu- manage customer demand and inventory because the supply chain has been so slow. Well, what if all of the data was analyzed real time? Does it create a use case for retail when it comes to the management of real time day quote uh, data in motion um, as as uh, as Confluent you know uh, wants us to see data? Um, and indeed, CEO Ed Cripps at Confluent uh, said that there are some use cases around retail, and and uh, they see that coming down the pike. Um, we, we definitely see a set of use cases around retail that have this much more real-time ability to know what's where, when, how, and act faster off of it. We we don't see any immediate impact from this in the short term, right? And you know, this is generally the case, I think, with these infrastructure layers that. You know, it's not the next day after this that you, you know, rework all your inventory management, but it often does provoke, you know, a longer term reaction and reflection on how this will be done going forward. We saw that with the pandemic where, you know, maybe Zoom, you would buy it the day after. Uh, but Confluent and this larger investment in the infrastructure to support the digital side of the business, that comes a little bit later as you're really thinking through that strategy. It takes a little bit more time. Um, but in some cases can be a little bit longer lasting because even, you know, after people are back at work or even after the, the ports are unclogged, um, you still, this is the architecture you want to have and build against going forward. So, you know, it's certainly possible that we'll see some positive impact from it, but, but nothing immediate. So Confluent, I think it's a name we're going to want to remember. This looks like it's going to be a big, interesting software business going forward. It already is. Yeah. All right, coming up in just a little bit here, we're going to take a look at uh, what's going on with data as it applies to vehicles and understanding what's happening in the car and managing vehicles uh, and the data that they are creating an increasingly uh, interesting business and interesting for Wejo, a company that's uh, about to do a big SPAC deal. Wejo CEO Richard Barlow joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. Welcome to the Drill Down Podcast. Welcome back. We're glad to have you. We're joined right now by the CEO of a company called Wejo, recently public through a uh, SPAC transaction that is all the rage right now. We don't care about that. We care about the company. That's why we have the CEO, Richard Barlow, with us. Richard, uh, what does Wejo do? How do you guys make money? So Wejo is a global software and analytics platform for connected vehicle data, the automotive data cloud. Wejo onboards live connected vehicle data at scale and enables customers to leverage that data for good. So we have access to millions of vehicles globally. We're live across the US. We're live in Europe. We're live in APAC. And and what what you say leverage the data for good? I don't know if that means anything. To me, oh, what, what do you mean? So what we won't do is we won't supply anyone's data without dual consent. The driver has to give consent to both the motor manufacturer and to the recipient of data if it's personal information. So we, we are not here to enable law enforcement to see you speeding. We're not here to help insurers increase your premiums. We're here to help you 
get a better insurance policy. We're here to help you navigate around a city quicker. We're here to reduce emissions in cities. We're here to save the city money. We're here to reduce congestion. We're here to improve the safety on roads. So you sell to the automakers, yes? We sell to automakers. We sell to departments of transport. We sell to insurance companies. We sell to uh, audience measurement companies. We help, we, we empower multiple organizations with this new source of data. And, and so uh, give me a sort of a sense of sort of how your customer journey goes when you sell into a, a company, you, you presumably get, get in a certain type of a model of a car, or a new vehicle or something like that. Explain to me how the, how the business works. Yes, yeah, so we work with multiple motor manufacturers, otherwise known as OEMs, and they'll, they'll provide a schedule of vehicles they can onboard. Uh, and the schedule includes where the driver's given consent to share data to third parties on the basis of the data being anonymized. So we get a schedule of millions of vehicles, and then the OEM starts the onboarding process. It takes time. This year, we've, uh, we've onboarded another 2 million vehicles, or over 2 million vehicles. We're now at 11.8 million live vehicles on platform, which means that we see 7% of vehicles moving around New York. We see 12% of vehicles moving around Austin. So the vehicles on board are onboarded by the OEM, and that's part of the battle. We then start receiving huge volumes of data. We're processing 450,000 data points a second. And then we translate that data into value. So for example, you may have seen a press release last week from Microsoft where we're now supplying data to, to, to help their mapping product. Because we're seeing live vehicles driving around, we can, we, we can identify missing roads. In fact, we're working with some of the world's largest e-commerce companies where, where one's reporting to us, we found 30% better routing. Simply put, they're delivering more parcels quicker, which reduces emissions and improves safety on the road. What is the formatting of the data? Is it it's peculiar? I would imagine the data is uh, is unstructured. There is no standard industry, and you know, and we're working with a typical OEM, most manufacturer. Sorry, we have we have more than one most manufacturer where they have three differing standards internally. So we take the data from these, these millions of vehicles and we translate the data. We have something called a common data model, it's patent pending, where the data comes in and then when we feed out to either our visualization platform called Weijo Studio or we feed insights out, then you can't differentiate between our multiple supplies of data and the multiple vehicle types. And talk to me about revenue recognition. Who pays you and, and how, how quickly can you get to that? Because it would seem to me that this is a software that's delivered over a very long period of time and the revenue recognition therefore would be greatly delayed as well. No, I mean, our, our, our pipeline from inquiry to, to revenue is about 200 days at the moment. We're getting over, over a thousand inbound inquiries a month from businesses who want to buy connected vehicle data. There is a vetting process. There is a, there is a consent and compliance process we go through. So it's about 200 days from inquiry to revenue, to, 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 to revenue recognition. The beauty of our, our business is that our revenues are the majority recurring repeatable revenues. So our revenues are month by month are, are, are scaling. And the revenues are, sorry, are coming from those who are buying the data, not from the car makers themselves. Correct. In some instances, the car makers are buying insights from us. They're, they're asking us to take the raw data from those vehicles and translate them back into insights. So we're working with a motor manufacturer who wants to provide a way of identifying parking spaces quicker, either curbside or in multi-story parking lots. So we, we take the data, we charge for processing the data, for analyzing the data, to machine learn when we're identifying parking lots. And then, then we deliver insights back to the motor manufacturer who then, who then is building an application around those insights. So we're paid for that journey. That's called our software as a service revenue line, getting recurring revenues. 
And on the other side is a marketplace. We charge for access to either data points on an insight basis or access to our platform called WeJo Studio. And do you have any sense of how long the customers last? I know it's early days in your business. Our typical contract duration is more than 30 months for a recurring contract. So so they're really kind of using it. It's, it's almost like just big project base, right? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say big project based. Uh, we have over 330 clients live on platform buying one of our data feeds. The vast majority are repeat buyers and recurring recurring buyers. We have over a thousand new clients a month or new so new banning inbound inquiries, and they are converting into into long term clients. So the majority of which agree to a long term subscription. Is there you know we we've talked a lot on our show and we've we've seen a lot of discussion in the world of business about the move towards electric vehicles and how that's such a, a, a nascent but impending trend. Um, I think less discussed is the connected vehicle market and what that means and what a connected vehicle is. Are there are there big moments in the history of connected vehicles that sort of make the connected vehicle something that we're going to see more of and we're already starting to see more of? Yeah, I mean, a big moment was was when GM launched OnStar in 1996. Uh, you know, GM was was the was the was the the grandfather, the godfather of connected vehicle data. You know, they they set the agenda for industry back in the 90s. So that was that was a moment, and then then more then the more recently, the regulation has introduced the idea of emergency call, e call, breakdown assistant, otherwise known as B call. So this idea that vehicles have to have some form of connectivity to to enable a, a, a an incapacitated driver to be able to make an SOS call or to be able to call up call some sort for for a breakdown assist has meant that more and more connectivity is embedded in the car. So there's been milestones over the last few years. The key milestones now are those that is that in the world is around 120, 130 million vehicles that have embedded connectivity. But over the next nine years, it is expected that will scale to 600 million vehicles. So there's going to be a milestone every year of about a further 40, 50 million new vehicles being 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 having this, or having this embedded connectivity supplied in the vehicle, and they'll need to have they'll need to communicate the data to a platform. It seems to me that insurance has got to be a really big driver here. That the notion of the the devices that that some companies have asked uh, their drivers to install to get a lower insurance rate or so on, that if that's already part of the car, that's got to be a big part of your business. Yeah, I mean, we're, we, we're saying, well, I mean, per se, we're staying away from this idea of just usage-based insurance. There's there's plenty of businesses who, who've, who've got war wounds from, from, from getting their underwriting wrong, from the actuaries not pricing the product right. We focus on end-to-end insurance. We focus on, yes, we focus on underwriting, but we also focus on policy administration. We focus on midterm adjustments. We're focusing on claims. The biggest area where the industry can save money, make more profit and pass pass that profit onto the consumers is claims. Hundreds, over $160 billion was paid out in claims in PNC last year. And if, the, if there can be a saving from that by the vehicle, more accurately reporting the damage during a claim, can, can reports be recovered quicker to re- reduce the cost of recovery? These, these savings should be passed on to consumers. And what is the traffic management business? You referenced that in some of your financial filings. I don't really understand that business. So traffic management is broad, broadly vehicles driving on the road and creating data, and then, and then the data having an outcome, such as helping a city planner understand about traffic flows, such as a mapping organization, such as Microsoft with, with, with Bing Maps, wanting to have a supply of data to, to more accurately identify new, new road cons, uh, constructs. It's helping uh, planners understand about curbside parking. It's helping 
real estate understand about, about, about traffic flows around new buildings. It's helping retailers understand about where to, where to install new, new, new sites. The traffic management is a very broad definition. And it looks like you're on the cusp of profitability here. We expect to be profitable by the end of 2023, early 2024. We're scaling substantially in our revenues. We are, but, but, but at the same point, we are, we are now operating in parts of APAC. We're operating in, in Europe. We're operating in the whole of US. We expect to be in LATAM in the next year. So we're investing heavily at the moment to support the demand we've got from OEMs and marketplaces. All right. Thank you very much. We do appreciate your time. Uh, Richard Barlow is the CEO of Wejo. We're glad to have you. When the drill down continues, we're going to have one number that tells us a whole lot about Wejo. The drill down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And if you enjoy listening to the Drill Down podcast, and I do, one of the ways I do that is by using my smart speaker. I say, hey, Alexa, play the Drill Down podcast. Then I hear the latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. Right, we are back with the bite, the Drill Down Bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot about Weejo. Well, uh, Isaac, we'll see what happens with the SPAC deal and if it gets, uh, gets the thumbs up. But uh, the pipe investors are giving a big thumbs up. The dollar amount they're putting in, that is our drill down bite for the day. The pipe investors who are helping to bring this company public through the SPAC are putting in $125 million into this deal, seeing great, uh, great value in this deal, at least for them in the terms they're getting. Um, uh, and I think that shows you what they see in Weijo as well. That is a major vote with their pocketbooks. Yeah, of course, they, there's different conditions under which they can get that money out, and it could be a very advantageous price they're getting. But an interesting business to watch. An interesting thing to think about the data that's created from vehicles and, and the value that might lie in that data. All right, you've been listening to The Drill Down. We appreciate your time. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.